It's a magnet. Come here. What is this? You won't be able to catch it. Does it belong to me? Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Christian Church. We're so glad you could be here with us this Sunday. Our third annual Women's Tea will be held on May 16th from 1030 to noon in Fellowship Hall. Registration is now available on our website. It's not required, but it's highly encouraged for planning purposes. The Faithful Friends Group is now going to be meeting after church on Sundays in room 201. Anyone's welcome to attend. If you have any questions, please contact Linda Huffer. The Kids Ministry is looking for volunteers that would be willing to help out during service once a month. If you're interested, please contact the church office. The National Day of Prayer Gathering will be held Thursday, May 6th at 12 p.m. at the Salem Memorial Building. If you're unable to attend, the program will still be broadcast on social media and on PraySalem.org. That's all the announcements for today. Thanks for joining us. Everybody, good to see you. If you'd like to stand with us. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, thank you for the things that you've accomplished that bring us into this room. Thank you that we get to be a people who hear your word. And uh, because of this reason, we are privileged among all peoples. Thank you uh, for what we've received in Christ. Thank you for the word that, uh, that helps us to examine ourselves. And may that take place today. Father, the spirit that proceeds out from you, may you draw us onto you by this spirit. And, uh, and bless your word in our hearing, in your name in there. As you bring us on to yourself and strengthen our faith, fixing our eyes on Christ. And for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Survey the glory of your agony, and I find the will to fight the words before me. As you ran the race, endure it for your glory.
Kiddos here, you can go see Matt in the back, all right? And have a seat, you guys. Well, as I'm looking out, I can tell some of you guys spent yesterday doing yard work. Am I right? Yeah, and I know some of you are thinking... Where is the vitamin I at when I need it? And by vitamin I, you know I mean ibuprofen. Um, so hopefully uh, the sermon won't be too long today because I know the pews aren't exactly what you would call um, uh, lazy boy status. Uh, so um, 
but it was good uh, to get out and just kind of enjoy the day yesterday. At least it was for me and my family, and even had you know, Mayim and, and uh, Stephen at home. So my wife put them both to work, uh, which was kind of fun. Um, just uh, watching them do what her and I otherwise would be doing as our nest sort of gets emptier. Um, but nonetheless, it was just really good to be outside. And outside, there's so much to observe and hear and smell and just sense, uh, except for one thing, uh, and that is the, the brambles, the briars, the thorns, which is a little bit about what we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, so uh, if you're joining us online, uh, and also uh, if you've been with us for a while, you know we're looking at the book of Luke. And as we get into it, I'd like to just take a minute and invite the Lord into this, uh, this time with him and with each other in the word. So would you bow with me? Father, as we just surrender our hearts to you and have a posture of submission to your word, we pray you would speak to each of us. Lord, we desire to be the people that you call us to be. We are truly blessed. You have been faithful in our lives. You have answered countless prayers for us. You have been that steady voice in our lives that has stabilized us in a season that um, is definitely unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And we thank you, Father, that you as that anchor of our faith, as that, that shield against things that would be a threat, that security that we have in knowing that you are always watching over us and that sense of provision through the daily bread that you provide. So many facets of our lives would not be what they are, Lord, without you filling every need and providing at every turn. And because of that, Lord, we are grateful. And so we hope, Father, that out of that sense of gratitude, you would find us open to hearing what it is that you have to say to us. And we ask, Father, that as we just take our attention and we place it before your throne, that you help us to tune in to your voice, to take the distractions that are all around us and to set them aside and to just listen. And as we just prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, uh, help us to pray the Lord's Prayer as a means of, of just getting ourselves in that space that we need to be. So would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Those are definitely very powerful words that I, I, I think as we pray that um, repeatedly uh, through our time of worship together, not only through the weeks and the months, but the years, uh, those words have a way of anchoring our soul. They are life-giving. And that really is the subject at hand today as we're looking at the sermon that Jesus preached. 
It is a sermon that talks about words and the very power that they can have over us and in us and through us. And so there's a lot to be said in Scripture about the management of words. And the person who actually said the most about it was Jesus himself. Proverbs talks about it quite a bit, but uh, no one uh, in Scripture, uh, no passages in Scripture apart from the words of Jesus talk about the management of our words uh, more than him. And so as we get to this part of the sermon, Jesus is looking at what it is that comes out of our mouths and the effect that that can have on the people around us. And hopefully it's for the good. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 42 to 45, just a brief section. We'd originally planned on doing it all the way to 49, and where it talks about the storms and all of that stuff. Uh, but we're going to reserve that for next week and just focus primarily on this. So uh, let's just read these few verses and see what, what the Lord has to say to us. Um, in it, Jesus, at this point in the sermon, as he's, he's getting ready to land the plane, he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick fig, figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. And a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And the bottom line for what he's saying here in this part is, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, I mentioned just a minute ago about doing some yard work, and as I was reading this passage of Scripture, um, I always think it's uncanny how there's always a correspondence, it seems, between stuff that goes on in my personal life in the, in the week leading up to the sermon and the stuff that uh, we're going to be talking about, and this is really no exception. Uh, when he talks about the uh, figs and the thistles and the briars, um, that's probably familiar. If you live in Ohio, briars are just there, you know, grass is green, water's wet, and briars grow prolifically in the state of Ohio. And have you ever noticed when you try to get rid of them, you'll, you'll pull it up out of the ground only to find that there's a root going somewhere, and you kind of pull that root up out of the ground, and believe it or not, there's another briar connected to it about six or seven feet down the road. And you could probably look at some kind of scan of your property, and it, you know if you had lots of briars, you could see that there's just networks underneath the surface producing these things in places that um, uh, are, are really very inconvenient. It's what's underneath the surface, really, that makes these briars manifest in all these different spaces. And it's the hardest thing to try to counteract when you know it's underneath the surface. Now, when the Lord is looking at the 12 that are going to be the foundation for the church, the apostles, and then the people that are kind of surrounding them in the giving of the sermon, he's asking the question, how can I best prepare them for 
the very things that uh, they're going to be commissioned to do, and essentially it involves the whole world, how can I do this effectively? And in this part of the sermon, he really wants to get at what is going on in here. And um, because what, what happens in here and the power of the words that we have, uh, it, it's, it's an issue. And, and we're going to explore this for just a, a few moments as we look at um, these words, our own heart, and our own words. Because have you ever said something to someone that you wish you could have taken it back? You knew that as soon as it came out of your mouth, you're like, where did that come from? And this sense of regret and remorse, um, you sometimes find yourself just wrestling with the question, how did that, how did that slip out? And Jesus is fully aware that there's a connection between what happens here and what happens here. But he also wants to make the connection between what happens here as it manifests here and then shows up in the lives of the people around us. And sometimes we've said words that we didn't intend and they hurt and it damaged the relationship that we had with other people. It's almost like, you know, my, we have a plasma TV at home. And if you leave, uh, like, the, the VCR going, and, or the, the VCR, what, 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 what decade am I living in here? Okay, if you leave the uh, day track, no, I mean, that, that one thing, you know, the deep, no, never mind. If you leave the DVD player going, and you just kind of let it sit there, uh, and you go down a few hours later on our TV, you'll have screen burn. You can actually see what the kids were watching you know, uh, two or three hours or the, the next day. Uh, it's just emblazoned. But thankfully, it goes away. But there are also images that, um, you know, that, that, that get emblazoned that, that seem to last, like tattoos. Now, I, I don't have one. I don't judge anybody that has one. But I do know that if I were to get one, I would be concerned that, um, well, that, that, that the outcome of it would be something like this. Maybe I'm just saying, you know, I want an inspirational one, and I, you know, and there, I, I'd like to have just believe on there. Could you do that for me? And uh, they would say, believe. And I could say that means something, but I could also say, man, that image will never go away. Or I could say this, um, slams 23-4. Okay, I don't know what book that is exactly, but it kind of reminds me of Psalms. Uh, then I could also get one that looks something like this, regret, no hang. Uh, you know, there's something about that that is just not quite right. Uh, but finally, you know, you could get one that says, um, it's get better. Um, so uh, maybe it will and maybe it won't, but I can only imagine having to get that taken off, and that could be a challenge in and of itself, too, and I don't think that once you get that, it ever goes away, and that's why it's so important to pay attention to this part of the sermon, because the things that we say 
have a lasting effect. They emblaze themselves on you. And even in the role that I have here, I can't even imagine, you know, all of the sermons that, I, that I've given over the years and how many words that is, but I can, I can remember uh, some of the, the sermons that I've given and some of the memorable ones actually weren't so much about the subject matter as how in the course of giving the message, I, 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 I upset somebody or I hurt somebody. And, and I, I've got some stories uh, about how I've done that because I, I wasn't careful about trying to be funny or I wasn't careful about trying to make a point and I didn't think it through. And after I said it, I'm like, no, that didn't come out right. And uh, sometimes, you know, people will email you or they'll, they'll just catch you afterwards and say, did you really mean to say that? And sometimes it just didn't come out the way I'd hoped it did. So the point being, it is very dangerous territory to use words. And there's nothing else you can really say beyond that. It is so dangerous that... Um, well, James comments on it, and if you look at the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain that we're, we're talking about, and then you read through the book of James, that book is actually written by Jesus' brother, and essentially he's writing to a church that is pretty messed up, and he's trying to show them in very practical ways how it is that the teachings of Jesus can transform them into a new kind of people. And in the backdrop is this premise that we find from Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So if you were to take the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of Proverbs, which speaks a lot about how we use our language, and you were to apply that, as James did, to a church setting you come up with what we read in James 3.8. No human being can tame the tongue. And he talks very pointedly uh, and, 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 and at some length about the tongue and our inability to manage it because he knows the problem. Obviously, there are problems in the church because of the way people are talking to each other and the power of their words. And as James is unfolding what that means, he's essentially echoing what Jesus says here. Uh, your tongue is a very powerful instrument. It doesn't weigh much. It doesn't necessarily have a prominent place physically, but somehow it disproportionately can have a, a very powerful effect, both positively and negatively. And so... If no human being can tame the tongue, how is it that we're supposed to do anything about it in the first place? And that really is what Jesus is trying to help us understand. Inside the very core of our being, in the Hebrew sense of the word, it's described as our heart. That thing that defines us, that reflects what we value and out of that thing that defines us that core our heart flows everything through the tongue through our expression through our body language through our behavior 
And that really is where James is going to point us here in just a second. But Jesus says essentially in Matthew 6.21 in the Sermon on the Mount, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere because as you're looking at your heart, he's actually defining it in terms of your treasure, the thing that you value. Because you're always going to go after what you value, what you treasure. You're going to follow that. And so whatever is important to you will begin to flow out of your life in conversation. Have you ever talked to somebody and, um, and they're super excited about an experience that they had. Maybe they went to Disney World, or maybe they did something that they had never done before, like hang gliding or jumping out of an airplane or uh, cliff propelling. And because it was just so epic for them, that is all that they could talk about for a few days. It was just like so important to them that it just emanated out of their heart. And, and James is basically saying, this is what happens in a church setting if our heart isn't where it needs to be. Jesus, as he begins to expand on this, wants to challenge you and I in the most, I, I, I think, the most important way possible. He wants us to go through a transformation from reflecting what we've always thought whenever we got upset, whenever we were afraid, or whenever we had a low sense of our own self-worth, how we attack or how we lash out or how we react. And he wants us to get to a place where we're managing all of those responses. And Jesus anticipating that this is going to be a problem in the church. And for the Apostle Paul, it became such an issue that he was constantly dealing with conflicts that had to do with the management of the tongue. Now, Whenever I was um, early on in ministry, I, I've got a confession here to make. I was a fan of Beavis and Butthead, okay? I'm just going to say that, all right? I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just me being juvenile, and I'm still trying to get over that part of it. But, you know, I would watch it, and then the effect of it was for the next day or two, I'd be thinking of the lines from Beavis and Butthead. They would just be sort of inside of me, and they would kind of come out. And I found that doing the job that I did, which was a pastor, and thinking like Beavis and Butthead, I had what psychologists called cognitive dissonance. It's like I'm running in two different directions here in my head. And uh, one of these directions is going to win and one is going to lose out. And I literally had to tell myself, Leonard, I know you like Beavis and Butthead, but, but it doesn't work. And so maybe that was the Holy Spirit actually convicting me and saying, hey, Leonard, you cannot have that stuff in your heart and do your job because you're going to look like an idiot. And... I got the message loud and clear, and I've learned over time that there are certain things, if I pay attention to them long enough, I find myself just sort of kind of thinking about that and maybe acting it out a little bit. 
Have you ever watched a movie and for the next hour or two, you're kind of thinking like the main actor. Maybe stuff is even coming out of your mouth like, like, they, like, like a very powerful performance would, would, would offer it. Maybe I'm the only one that has that, but movies have that kind of an influence on me that, that I, I find myself just sort of echoing the attitude or the, the, the way words are delivered for, uh, for a little bit. And I think we're all susceptible to that. And as Jesus is looking at the people that are going to be the future church, he wants us to be aware that this is a place that has to be managed. And the tongue is not the place to start. It's actually the heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it and i really can't say that loud enough because for six and a half days you are being discipled and the question is what am i being discipled by in the other six and a half days of the week I know certainly in this room, I'm being discipled by the word of God in the community of God. But we could be paying attention to so many other things that are giving us inputs that really are contrary to the things that we're learning here. Regardless, whatever you're paying attention to is actually something that's kind of discipling you. It can affect you, whether you're just talking about watching lots and lots of news, <clears throat> and, then, and then when people talk to you or if you've talked to someone, they sound like CNN or Fox News, and you're like, I can tell what they are being discipled by. A person who spends time in Scripture has this kind of presence of, I know where this person has been. And I know what they've been discipled by. And guarding your heart is a 24-7 experience from the standpoint of the believer. Because we have some challenges that we have to overcome. And the psalmist weighs in on this. In Psalm 119, we read, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there's something about just taking little verses of Scripture. And if you have to, put them in your shirt pocket or put them in your pants pocket or your purse or your wallet. And just allow these short verses of Scripture um, to infiltrate your mind. And begin to flavor how you look at life around you and how you speak to the people uh, that are close by. In Psalm 141.3, not only do we hide our word, God's word in our hearts, but we ask God to take control of what we say and guard my lips. And I honestly believe that's why Luke talks so much about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit enables us, helps us, to say what we need to say in the appropriate 
way. Even as I, I get up here to speak, I have to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to say what is necessary today based on what we discover in Scripture and what you know to be the state of our hearts and what we need to hear. I, that's, that's a lot for me to try to, try to manage. It's actually beyond my, my capacity. But it's also beyond my capacity to manage my heart well without his help. So we need the word and we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? And I like what, um, I like what that does for us. Because the words that we say and the effect that they have, they really are part of the testimony that we are projecting to other people. And when other people are asking, who is Jesus, and they know that you go to church, they are looking to you to reflect what it is that you believe about Jesus. So whatever you say and whatever you do, they're going to be paying attention. They're going to say, this is what followers of Jesus must do. And if the things that you say are not carefully managed because your heart is being managed well by the Word and the Spirit, you may throw people off track, and they may decide, I think I'm going to check out Buddhism now. I think I'm going to check out what the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying, or I think I'm not interested in this thing called following Jesus at all, or even God. It's that critical. And because Jesus saves it for the end of the sermon, he's actually saying everything that I have been declaring in this message is leading up to that thing called your heart and how it affects people in ways that you can't even imagine. Because what if somebody that you've said words to that were hurtful or painful ended up being tattooed on their arm and every time you saw them, you saw those words. That's essentially what Jesus is saying. You have to be really, really careful. Now, all of us in this room, I think, are pretty exhausted. We're exhausted from months and months and months of a pandemic. We're exhausted from the change of how we do things and having to think through what we normally don't even have to process, the habits and the routines. We're exhausted emotionally in our, just the fact that we all have short fuses and it takes a lot sometimes to be around people. We're exhausted because spiritually, um, we've been disconnected, many of us. And so we're very depleted. Most of us, probably on a scale of 1 to 10, probably hovering around 5. I mean, I can't be a judge of everyone here, but I know that I, I'm sort of feeling 5 and below sometimes. You know, 5 and below average. And I know that in that state... We need words that are healing. We need to hear words that are life-giving. We need to go into spaces where when we walk out of them, we feel 
built up and we feel more alive. And the church should be one of those places probably now more than ever. And maybe the words that you're hearing from other believers have been the reason why you're here right now. And maybe there are people who are not here today because they heard words from believers that tore them down. Now, last week, I, I kind of said some harsh things about social media. And somebody said, I can't believe you went there. But I don't spend a lot of time on social media, so I really don't know the significance of what I did or where I went. But I would say that the keyboard can actually be another way of saying the tongue. And all, all that I want you to be aware of is whatever you say, whether it is in person or whether you, whether you say it online, let it be a reflection of what is in your heart. And let that thing in your heart be a reflection of the life of Jesus flowing through you. Let it be life-giving. I mean, some people I know have had words spoken to them by a father that um, were very harsh. Or some people have had words not spoken to them by a father that could have been, I'm very proud of you. No matter what, um, I'm, I'm your biggest fan. By a mother that maybe had harsh words that sort of echo in your mind and cause you to second-guess yourself and judge yourself critically. And maybe a mother didn't offer the words of, you're a beautiful person. You're worthy of love. And those are the things we do say or that we don't say that actually take life away from people. And perhaps now more than any other time, the words that we need to speak to each other need to be words of life. We need to speak words of life into the lives of each other post-pandemic in ways that maybe we haven't before. Maybe we have to go out of our way, out of our comfort zone to make sure that we express edifying things to the people around us. Now, I've had, I've had some moments where I've, I've gotten angry. I, I ordered a part for my car a while back, and they said it's going to be two weeks on back order. And I thought, well, I can do that. I can wait. Well, then I get online and I find out that it's actually not going to be two weeks. It's going to be the end of July. And then all of a sudden, I'm just escalating. I'm like, oh. And, you know, I'm passionate about this. And so I contact the company that I ordered the part from. The only thing was they wouldn't let me contact them because their, their website would let me do everything but get a hold of somebody unless I wanted to instant message them, which I tried to do for six hours, and I uh, couldn't get a hold of anybody. So then I got online to talk to a representative, and I was on, I was on the phone for uh, an hour, and no one ever showed up. I listened to some music that really wasn't very good, and 
I just found myself beginning to escalate, and I thought, Lord, help me to say appropriate things to the person, God help them, that, that, that I have to talk to if I ever get a chance to talk to a person. And I step back, and I'm like, Leonard, what, what is going on here? And I realized that I was just kind of falling into that thing of they don't know me. I don't know them. I don't have to have any follow-up conversations with them. I can say whatever I want. I couldn't even believe the thought crossed my mind. And maybe that's God's way of saying, yeah, you too. You're capable. And the only way that we can consistently manage that response is to habitually engage in life-giving things, starting with our heart, starting with the Word, starting with the Holy Spirit, and also including the exercise of saying positive things at every possible opportunity that you can, and let those habits define you. Now, you don't hear me say, have you ever heard me say a Beavis and Butthead expression? No, I mean, some of you don't know me very well, but some of you who do are like, no, I've never heard you say that. Well, there's a reason why. I had to basically lock the door on those guys and say, you, you can't come back in and play anymore. Because at the end of the day, it was a question. Who is really in control of my heart? Is it my fear or is it the Spirit of God? Is it my anger? Or is it the Spirit of God? Is it my sense of worth cutting down other people in order to feel good about myself? Or is it the Spirit of God? And I think all of us have to ask these questions if we're going to be obedient to this part of the sermon that Jesus is giving, not only to those guys back then, but to you and I here. And so I just want to end this message with three questions. And this, I think, will help us to keep our heart in order and our speech fruitful. And they're this. First, before we say anything to anyone, we need to ask these three questions. Is the thing that I'm going to say true? And you could stop there and you could say something in all of its truth and it could be pretty harmful and hurtful because, well, you're just very blunt. And so you have to, you have to kind of govern that question with, is it helpful? And not just to your own cause or your own argument, is it helpful for the people that you're talking to? And then my wife has a shirt. I'm just cataloging this, and something just occurred to me. She has a, sh a couple of T-shirts. She has, I think, a little drinking thing. She has a, uh, a little uh, knick-knack that uh, you can see, and it says, be kind. And I'm wondering why she's got all that stuff signaling to me. 
Well, I hear you, honey. I, I'm going to be kind. Uh, you loud and clear. But at the end of the day, um, what you say has to be very carefully considered because you're going to say a lot. In any, in any given day, how many words in a day do you think the average person says? Just take a guess. 3,000? Some people have estimated upwards around 16,000 words a day. Okay, anybody have a calculator? Multiply that times 365 times, you know, let's just say we all live to be 90. Or if you're 90, let's say 100, okay? Um, you're talking, let me guess, half a billion words. That's a lot of words that can either do a lot of good things or a lot of bad things. And as Jesus is saying these words to us, they are true, they are helpful. And at the end of the day, even though they hurt, they're an act of kindness because he's showing us the things that we need to hear and we may not want to hear it. Now, I hope this is practical because I, I know that as he says these things, you're thinking, wow, the words that I said just this morning, yeah, preacher's gone to meddling. But not really. I'm actually just helping our church to be in tune with where our heart is. And the heart of this church is Jesus. It's not me, the pastor, or the elders, or the body. We're just parts of him. We're an expression of him. We're kind of incorporated into him. And if we are, what we say, what we do has to be a reflection of him. If people are going to come here and say, what is it like to follow God? What is it like to know God? What is it like to know Jesus? And the first thing they're going to size us up with is how do we respond to them with our words? Scripture says it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And is that repentance that leads us to a new way of life? where a transformation begins to happen in our hearts. I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say the things I used to say before I was a Christian. But I can tell you that a lot of that stuff just isn't even there anymore because he is. And I want to invite him into your life, or should I say I want to offer him for you to invite into your life as we end this, mess, this part of the message and give him an opportunity to speak to each of us. Maybe it's that we do need to spend a little bit more time here asking the question, how can I get my heart in a better place, Lord Jesus? And the answer is his word and his spirit and being around people that are in tune with him.
So I want to just end this with a word of prayer for uh, all the places that we are in relation to him, including those who may not know him as your Lord and Savior. So would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, as we take <clears throat> our hearts in this very difficult topic <clears throat> and we think about words that we've spoken that we regret and we pray for your forgiveness and for the forgiveness of those that we've said it to that have been emblazoned on their hearts and their minds in ways that makes it hard for them to reconcile with us. I pray for healing in those places. I pray, Father, for your wisdom to be able to say what we need to say in an appropriate way that adds life, that's true, that's helpful, that is kind, that is elevating of the people that we're speaking to. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you help us to find the vocabulary of our heart to be resourced by your presence inside of us. And I ask, Lord, that if you have anyone that you've called to be in this gathering today, who you're calling into a personal relationship with you and with this body of people, that you would just help us, Father, to lead whomever you're calling to respond to that place. And I pray for each of us, as the word has been spoken, that the appropriate amount of conviction and encouragement uh, is found in the words that have been offered today. And we just thank you, Father, for being faithful and being that still small voice to our spirit when we need to hear it and for encouraging us through um, your words. And so we just want to lift this part of our time together to you, asking you to sanctify our tongues and our hearts and everything that is our treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. something in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 that sums up everything that we've just heard. And in verse 29, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good. One, for building up. And two, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Because our day of judgment has fallen on Christ. But we have a day of redemption coming. That helps me breathe. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you. At communion, we can take these things off like we switch our clothes. And give them to the Lord. Bring them before the cross. along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Father, thank you. We come here to remember Christ by the taking of the bread and the cup. 
and in this space, uh, spirit, where you have um, put a conviction on our hearts from the tones we use, the words we use, the thoughts we think, and on and on. Would you grant us the strength to put those things before you and not just put them before you and, and, and say amen not to change, but to put those things before you and ask for deliverance from those ways of life that we would put before the cross and find resurrection life from. Spirit, I pray that you would do a work in each one of us. And I thank you for the sweetness of your conviction that loves us into not leaving us where we're at, but transferring us on to, to something better, all to the glory of God. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing, the work you have done, are doing, and the promises that come from the things that you will do. And as your word says, when we, for, when we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us. Jesus, you made that true for us. And it's a promise that we can all believe in as we lay our sins down and look to Christ, fixing our eyes on him, the cornerstone of our faith. And it's for his wonderful name we pray. Amen. blood and righteousness and then I trust the sweetest blood and righteousness and then I trust the sweetest way the holy trust in Jesus'
Lord Jesus, thank you for taking your place in our hearts to be that cornerstone. Thank you for taking your throne in our hearts, for getting us off that throne in our hearts, because uh, you do a better job in that place than we ever could. Uh, so thank you. May, may it be our greatest joy to belong to you, and may it be our greatest joy to do all things for the glory of your name, because we see the surpassing worth of knowing you. And more than that, being known by you. And you see us. And thank you that you didn't leave us in the state that you saw, but you saw fit to make us like you, starting with a new heart, one like yours. Help us to mirror that in the words that we speak, in the tones that we use, saying what's true because love rejoices in the truth. But as well, being timely and always kind. It's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, good to see you. We'll see you again soon. Go get your kiddos.